Hey guys, you're listening to episode 61 of the School of Intuition Soundcast, and I'm Natasha Che. This soundcast is a self-realization training for the empathic badass, and my goal is to help you walk on this planet with power and grace as an empathic light being, so that you can find your own unique ways to help elevate the consciousness of this planet. So I'm going on a trip for the next two three weeks, and today, as I was In the middle of packing, I suddenly got this idea that it dawned on me that for this week's episode, I need to talk about the development stages of the empath archetype. So I thought this is quite fitting because you know we are kind of still in the beginning of a new year, and we've been. This soundcast has been going on for over a year now, and I talked about, you know, being an empath and the evolution of empath for on and off, you know, throughout almost all the episodes. But I feel like, you know, to summarize—not to summarize, but you know, it's, it's like to put it in the context. Of the development of a archetype, a empath archetype, this is going to really help at least some of you guys to find to 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 get clear on the roadmap of your own development as an empath, as a conscious and enlightened empath. So that's what I feel inspired. To talk about today, which is, as the title of the episode is called, the making of a empathic badass. And what I want to talk about is there are seven development stages of the empath archetype. Now, I hope you all know what an archetype is. You know, in human psychology, a archetype is basically a typical way, a typical path. Of human development, and there are a lot of different archetypes. Some of them you're probably quite familiar with. For example, the sage, the reluctant hero, the fair maiden. So these are basically the common stories, the common threads of human stories as you go through the human journey of development. These are the common threads. It's like you know when you are go、um, when you go out and you walk in the woods, and you would discover these trails where, although no roads or no streets have been consciously built by the government or by the national park, there are actually trails that exist. Because people have walked upon them for millions of times, and when you have enough people walk through a similar path, it becomes a trail, and makes things easier for people who come later. So, why are these common trails? If you think about it, they're usually when when the trails are not when when the trails naturally form themselves. There is kind of an intuitive logic behind it. It's usually a very efficient path 
a very effective path, a natural and effective path to get you from point A to point B. And it becomes a trail because enough people have discovered this path and reached a consensus about it. That's why a lot of people walk down the same path and it becomes a trail. So that is a good analogy to me for what an archetype is. It's essentially a trail. It becomes a trail, it becomes an archetype because enough people have done this before you. So the good news is, <laughs> since enough people have done this before you, now your job is easier. Because when you have a trail, you kind of know, you know, what, what, what's ahead. You, it kind of allow you to cheat a little bit, right? Instead of, instead of, you know, rolling in the dirt and discovering the path where was throughout so many trials and errors. Because of these archetypes, it gives you a certain, to some extent, the clarity of how your own development is probably going to unfold. Now, one thing I want to make clear is archetype, they're like the typical human story, right? For a, whatever the, the path is, it's a typical storyline. It, it is, but it's, it is not the entire story of your life. Okay. So a archetype is just one facet of human development. And maybe you identify with that aspect of your own development and that benefits you because it gives you more clarity. It tells your conscious and informs your conscious and unconscious of what, how far you've become, how far you've gone so far, and uh, what's coming ahead, right? So it's a useful tool for you to learn about, to be, to be more aware of your own development. But it doesn't mean this is the whole story of your life, because it is not. All of us, we have unique circumstances and unique stories, and your life story cannot be summarized as the archetype. But on the other hand, this is a roadmap of development. In a lot of cases, it can be hugely beneficial. And for one thing, there, there is a one benefit of knowing a specific archetype that you feel an affinity with, is that it allows you to see how far you've come how much you have accomplished and what is the purpose of this journey and where you are headed, especially in circumstances or in some kind of in internal situations when you feel confused, frustrated, not sure where this is going, or you're impatient, disappointed with yourself, or you think this is not going enough, fast enough. I cannot tell you how many people have told me, well, I'm still struggling with this and those patterns. I thought it should be gone by now already. Why? I still haven't learned. I feel like I should be further along on my development journey, on my spiritual or personal growth. Especially in those moments, knowing these archetypal patterns and archetypal stories can be very, very beneficial. So that's why 
you know, as kind of a common thread that pulls together a lot of different elements we've talked about in many of the past episodes about the development of a empathic badass. Today, I want to talk about the seven development stages of this archetype. That is a enlightened empath. Okay, so I'm going to go through the first three, four pretty quickly because <laughs> this is the part of story. If you're listening to this right now, this is you've already experienced this. This is what you're familiar with. All right, I'm just gonna summarize this to you quickly, and because I know for many of you who are listening, you're kind of in like a stage four or five on this path. And that's why you, you know, you're suddenly drawn to this type of thing I'm talking about. So stage one, this is this what I call the age of innocence. This is the Garden of Eden, where you kind of the the world is harmonious, the world is beautiful. You don't know, like as an empath, you didn't know that you're somehow you have. It's you. Ha- you have somewhat different traits than the common population, than the average population. You're not aware of that. You know, I was a very sensitive kid, and I thought everybody was like me. I thought everybody could feel other people's thoughts and feelings, and everybody got hugely affected by whatever's going on in the world. And I thought, you know, this is how the world is. So that that was your. That is the Garden of Eden, right? But it's it's an age of innocence. It's an innocence out of ignorance. <laughs> so you think about this biblical st- story of humans being kicked out of Garden of Eden. This is a perfect metaphor of individual humans' development as well. You got kicked out of the Garden of Eden because what happened? You ate the fruit of knowledge. You ate the fruit of good and evil. So.、Um, You realize, oh, there's distinctions in the world. Things are different out there. Not everybody is like me. The world is not one, right? You start to differentiate. You start to develop the sense of differentiation. You start to develop the sense of judgment, and you discover this whole big bad world out there. <laughs> That's when you're kicked out of Garden of Eden. But it's actually a positive development stage. So that's the stage one, age of innocence, and then stage two. I call it the helpless helper. You, as an empath, you are a helper. Why do you want to help? Because we feel so much of the world, of each other, of people we are close to, of people we are not close to, who are just passing us by in the street or whatever. And you want to help because, as an empath, you are kind of the living proof of this concept that we are one. All is one because it's so easy as an empathic light being for you to identify with other people's thoughts and feelings, emotions and energies, and what's going on in the world, right? So you want to help. In a sense, it's because. It makes you feel better if you can solve the problem because you you feel so intensely other people's pain. 
So on a conscious, unconscious level, you feel like, you know, it's your responsibility to help out. And if you solve other people's problems, you will be happier. If they're happier, then you will be happier, right? Because we are one. So, but th- there is a problem though in the second stage. Oh, by the way, that's, that's why so many empathic beings, we are people pleasers because all we want to do is to make other people happy. Okay. So on the downside of this, you're also, this is a stage where you're also very impressionable, easily influenced by other people's stuff. And this is going to be a common thread in many of the lives of empathic light beings is something that we need to reconcile with and to um, develop that that is the growth point is to you know how do you balance this being one by the same time develop a sense of self-identity because it is a struggle at this stage being a helpless helper because you want to help but at the same time you're helpless <laughs> because you haven't developed developed your own solid self-identity and for empaths this is especially a challenge because we tend to confuse our own stuff with other people's stuff right so this is a challenge for a lot of empathic beings to develop a strong sense of individual self. So that's why, you know, if I look at the world, 99, maybe 97, 98% of the world has a self-esteem problem. And this 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 thing, this issue with self-esteem manifests in empathic beings very acutely, especially at your early stage of development, because this confusion of your own self-identity was separate that with other people's. So there is this extra layer of difficulty. And also because you feel into the rest of the world so much more, you take on the self-esteem issues of other people of the entire world, right? Because these are the things that other people, they, they themselves may not be always consciously aware of, but because you're an empath, you have the capacity to be so much more aware than the common population. So it kind of, uh, it's a double-edged sword, right? You feel so much more and you take on the difficulties from other people. So this is a stage, you know, when you've, you, you, some of us, we tend to discover, oh, um, other people somehow don't treat us nicely. <laughs> I know some of you, you may get, you know, bullied and get, you know, people, um, it seems like at, at some point, it seems like, you know, everybody is a jerk around you, even though they may not act that way to someone else. And you know the reason why that's the case? Well, the reason of that happening is because on some level, okay, people around you, they realize that you have the capacity to help them. 
you have the capacity to help them to shift and transmute and transform whatever things that they are struggling with, whether they are aware of it or not. So they kind of take it out on you. Take take it out at you. They kind of throw their problems at you, and sometimes it's worst manifestation. But on your end, you're like, "What did I do?" <laughs> right? Because when you're not aware of your empathic power, it's it's easy to get that sense of, you know, sense of being victimized. Like you're a victim of other people's abuse because sometimes, you know. People throw their problems at you, and they may not realize this. But you know, it's in a kind of a indirect ask for help. But at this stage, you know, when you don't have that solid ground of who you are, your own self identity, it's very it's difficult for you to actually effective help effectively help other people. More often than not, it just becomes relationship trauma, right? So, and also, by the way, talking about relationship trauma, for many empathic beings, you know, people write to me sometimes saying,、uh, "Well, you know, all I want is to find the one. I want to find the person I love, and then." The, Someone who loves me, and they tell me these stories of their past relationships and why this person is just not getting it. So, you know, a lot of empaths. Now, some of you may not want to hear this, but all the empaths tend to be lay boomers when it comes to intimate relationships because, again, it's because of this unique challenge of being an empath. This challenge. Of establishing yourself as a solid, separate individual identity aside from this other person, this is a challenge. This is something that we need to grow from, and you know, learn our power from. So, a lot of times, these relationships that come into your life early on in your development stage. They tend to be learning lessons, like huge practice sessions, for you to discover your own grounded identity. So that's why you know many empaths <laughs> tend to be lay boomers in the sense that your kind of the real deal relationship will come later in life. Although this is definitely you know not a rule. So that's stage one and stage three. What I call building the shield. This is when you discover, oh my God, I'm really different from other people. But it's not like the good different. It's not like I'm cool. This is like, oh, this is such a burden. I'm such a burden because I'm so dramatic. I'm you know so sensitive. Why am I not like other people? So this is, and also you start to discover. That you can easily get hurt in the interactions with other people, even if it's not someone's intention to hurt you. It's because you feel everything so intensely. So this is when a common practice for empathic beings to build a shield, to build the walls around you. Now, this is not 
all I've said so far, not limited to being empath. These are, you know, I would say universal human patterns of how we learn to deal with things. However, when you're empath, these patterns come out so stereotypically. Let's say it comes comes out so strongly, it plays a such more important development role in your life. So, but they're not definitely, they're definitely not limited to, you know, these are not like unique traits of empaths. These are common experiences experienced by a lot of people. So you start to build those walls around you because you know it's dangerous out there. It's you know you're vulnerable out there. So kind of you start to put people at arm's length, and you know I personally. I'm so good at this, and I spent basically all my teenage years and most of my twenties in this stage. Is you know, figure out. I, I figure there there must be something wrong with me, right? Why why am I being so sensitive? Why why do I feel different from other people? So I try to hide it, and also I try to you know avoid avoid being hurt, avoid being kind of. Uncovered <laughs> by other people, right? So now, for people who are on a spiritual path, there seems like everybody thinks it's a virtual to be open. You go to yoga class; they teach you hard opening exercises, <laughs> and they they're supposed to be good for you, right? Open your heart. Come on, embrace the world. It's a great thing. It's a, like a A enlightened act. So, but I, this is something. I feel this is a misconception that we need to correct. Which is, whatever stage that you are going through, is really the proper stage that you need to go through at the time. So, if you are at a stage where you need those walls to protect you. They are there for a very good reason, and they are there to protect you. That's their functions, and that's a good purpose. They're serving a good purpose, and underneath of all that is the fact, is the truth that you need that space for yourself. You need that space to tend to your own development. You need that personal space to not feel overwhelmed by the world around you. So those walls are put in place for very good reasons, and they're beneficial at the at that particular stage of your life, so that you can have a you know relative, you can have like a relatively peaceful environment to tend to your own growth, and when you grow stronger, when your when your own self identity in that confined even in that confined environment energetic space. It can grow stronger, and when it grows stronger, you're ready for the next stage, which brings me to stage four, which is dissolving the shield. This is when you start to feel intuitively that you know what. I don't want to live with walls anymore. I feel like I have so many, you know, boundaries and walls and limitations around me. I don't want them. I want to be more free. I want to be more open. And at some point, when you get that intuition, you know why? Because you, you know, over time, you have developed your own strength. 
to a sufficient extent to allow you to be more open. Now you're ready. That's why you get that intuition to say, "I have this very genuine desire to open up more." Right. So dissolving the shield, and this is also the stage where a lot of us start to have these spiritual, spiritual opening, spiritual awakening experiences, and that's when a lot of times things get messy, because you know what happens when you dissolve those walls that you've built around you to protect you. Now you don't have walls. You have nothing to protect you. It's fucking vulnerable. Okay, <laughs> you walk around the world, and you you walk down the street. And you feel like you're naked. So it can be a very chaotic process. It can feel very chaotic internally. You may feel overwhelmed. You may feel depressed. You may feel like, okay, I'm going crazy. I'm so frustrated. I'm so confused. Right, so people will tell me, Natasha, I am going crazy. I think I'm going crazy. Nothing in my life makes any sense anymore. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so exhausted all the time. Please help. So that is part of that side effect of dissolving your kind of, kind of original old scaffolding of your self protection system. And that is the side effect of that. And it's kind of a messy period, but just know. That this is only a phase. This is what happens when you kind of reconfigure your energetic structure so that you can expand more. You are dissolving your existing structures, existing protection mechanisms, so so that something bigger and more beautiful can emerge, can grow out of it. Because the structure you had before was too small and too limited. But just in this transition period, you know, things are not looking so good <laughs> on the surface. Okay, but on the other hand, there's a plus side. The plus side is at this stage you start to discover, okay, I have a divine connection. I have a connection with the source. You may not always have the perfect language to describe what it is. But you know you're feeling different. You're tapped into. You're starting to tap into something that feels very different than the ordinary mundane life. Okay, you start to tap. You start to discover your source connection. Now, in the last episode, episode sixty, I talked about the distinction between the dimension of phenomena, which is the human world. Of stories and emotions and logic and energy, and the dimension of the source. So, if you are, if this is something that you know make you perk your ears, you may want to go back to listen to that one. Okay, so you just start to discover your source connection, and that also enhances your intuition, enhances your sense of direction. It's kind of divinely inspired sense of direction. You may feel like, on one hand, you don't know what you're doing with your life, and everything is a total mess, and you are a total mess emotionally, energetically. You're exhausted. You're like, you know, for those of you who are women, you used to have like a week 
in a month when you feel hormonal. Now you seem to feel like hormonal all the time. <laughs> so those are side effects of when you start to dissolve your shield, dissolve your existing structure of existence. This is also the stage where you start to really grow your strength. In the middle of all that chaos, because it's essentially, you know, the universe is saying, well, you know what, they're ready. Um, they may not think they're ready, but they're actually ready to dissolve their existing structure and build something new. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna throw this person into the deep end of the pool. So they either sink or swim. And they won't sink. You won't, you will not sink. Okay. You will learn to swim, but it may be a struggle. So it's that kind of sink or swim situation. It forces you to develop your inner strength, to develop, to, to grow your own grounded sense of self. And this may also be the stage when a lot of empathic beings you really, you start to discover your own power. You start to discover this power of being a empath. You start to discover, okay, you have an effect on other people and you can do things for other people. You can heal, you can transmute, you can transform, whatever. This is your special, <laughs> this is your special skill and not everybody has, okay? So in as you dissolve your existing structure, your existing structure of human existence, that skill will only grow stronger, which we will talk about for the next two stages. So essentially, you know, as a empathic being, you are kind of like a automatic air purifier, so to speak, because wherever you go, you even out, you kind of transmute and transform the energy around you. And you this is this is something when you first realize this is what's going on. Many of us we're not happy about this at all. We're kind of, you know, the ego goes into this uh, victim mentality, right? Because it's overwhelming. You feel like, "Oh my god, I'm not like savior of the world. Why am I who am I to take on this huge burden?" And why am I supposed to take this on for other people, right? Because it's uncomfortable, it's messy, it's painful a lot of times. So we sometimes we feel victimized by this path because we feel like, okay, why me? I'm just this little small me, little small human Natasha. So um, this is something that when this happens, if this happens to you, if you have these thoughts, just know that, you know, first of all, whatever thoughts that come up to you, give it love, give it space. It's there for a good reason. And that reason is usually when you are processing a lot of the things that you are working through in yourself. And they are there as a manifestation of whatever you are working through. And they rises up to your conscious awareness 
only so that you can acknowledge them, so that they can move on. So when you have all these, you know, negative thoughts about yourself, about you know, what am I doing here? It's okay. It's totally fine. At this stage of your development, they are only here for you to acknowledge, and this is totally necessary. You have to, you need to acknowledge these thoughts and acknowledge that they have a right of presence in your consciousness. They may be your ugly brainchild, brain children, but they are your children nonetheless. So, the bottom line is: don't freak out. <laughs> If you're experiencing any of those, you know, things that are not deemed positive at this stage of your development. So, at stage five, after enough, you know. You you kind of sort things out inside of yourself. You're thrown into the deep end of, of the pool, and you sort of started swimming, <laughs> started to figure out the new landscape of your new existence. Okay, that's when you are called to step into step the stage five of the empathic archetype, which I call discovering. Your center. This is when you are very much tapped into the source. You kind of start to learn to straddle between the dimension of phenomena and the dimension of source, and you realize your strength, your superhuman power comes from the latter. So you have one foot in each world. And it's something very strange to experience because you start to realize, okay, not everybody on earth lived this way. Actually, most people don't live this way, but that is your path, and it's a very blessed path. So you start. You also. This is a stage when you start to learn more and more to establish. Boundary, while remaining open to whatever energy and thoughts and emotions coming your way, you start to be able to, you know, distinguish or quickly process what is what, right? So things don't stick with you for very long, whether it's your own stuff or other people's stuff, because when you're tapped into that into the source. Things move through you much faster, and you don't have to dwell on each of them. Consciously process the things, the thoughts, and emotions that you either it's your own or other people trigger you, or you're processing for other people. They don't stay in you for very long anymore. So, and then this is the stage when you discover, you know, you have you discover. Your new core of being, and this is something that is both human—a human identity. There is a human dimension to it, human aspect to it, but there is also 
the, in, in your own identity, in your own core, there is a strong source element to it. So it's both a human and superhuman identity. And this is something, this is a identity that will solidify in you more and more. And the result of that is that you are able to stay in your center and not be so easily swayed by other people or other people's energy. And even when you're kind of, you know, going along with other people, after the wind passes, you kind of, you swings back to your own center, like a tree in the wind. So this is the stage when you really start to establish and establish yourself, establish your own presence, your real presence on this planet. That is your own. And you will, you're going to, this presence will do a lot. <laughs> okay, later. So that's stage five. Stage six, I call it swinging the bigger pendulum. This is when you actually become the bigger pendulum in whatever situation is in, no matter how messy or organized it is. By bigger pendulum, what I mean is, you know, in experiments, scientific experiments of um, physics, people discover that if you put like different pendulums together in the same room, after a while, they start to sink together. They move in the same direction at the same pace together, right? So there is an entrainment going on when you put all these pendulum in the room. But then the golden question is, who is going along with whom, right? So as an empathic light being, you are the holder of higher consciousness, though that needs to be developed, right? That needs to be developed through your own development stages of your archetype. But you are the holder of consciousness. And this whole development process is for you to be grounded enough so that you can be that bigger pendulum, that more powerful pendulum in whatever situations you're in. So that instead of being affected by whatever negativity or low vibration, if you want to call it that way, that is happening in the environment, you as an embodiment of higher consciousness, you sway the situation in the direction of who you are. So stage six is that starts to happen more and more. You start to discover you have a powerful influence on situations around you. And you, and as the empathic being, you have this natural you're naturally skilled at influencing situations. You know why? Because, again, we talked about earlier, you are the living proof that we are one because you are so good at becoming one with other people in other situations. And that gives you an advantage because when you become one with something, but at the same time, you're able to hold your own space and you come from and you are grounded in a source, it makes you a very powerful influencer of situations around you. 
Okay, so this is when you discover. Oh, I have a healing presence. You can walk into a situation. You can heal and transmute whatever needs to be changed in that situation. And when you walk into a situation, you can sync other people along with your vibration, which is embodiment. Of a higher level of consciousness. So they used to say, Steve Jobs has this reality distortion field around him. When you're around him, because he's so charismatic and persuasive, you kind of, you know, be easily persuaded by him, and you don't know what's going on, what's happening. So <laughs> I'm not saying that you you are creating a Reality distortion field, but it's sort of a similar idea. Is you move other people, you trans, you transform other people. At least you start to do that just with your presence. Okay, and stage seven of the empath archetype development is what I call becoming. Your destiny, where you realize, oh my God, they all talk about the, the purpose of life, the meaning of life, but you start to realize your purpose of life is actually just to be here. That is your biggest contribution, biggest value added to the world, as a. Empathic light being is to just be here, be who you are, because it is your presence that is a blessing on earth. I'm not saying this to pump you up. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying this to make you arrogant, because this is not an easy path, right? And and for many of you listening who. You know, you you've gone through whatever you've gone through in your own life. You know this is not an easy path, but this is this is your purpose. At least this is you know, looking at things from this from the point of view of this empath archetype. This is the purpose. Your purpose of life is not okay. I'm going to create this beautiful thing. I'm going to you know、um, start an empire. I'm going to. Um, create this uh, uh, organization, or start a war, or end world hunger, or donate a bazillion dollars to charities. I mean, if if that's your specific life path, your life story that、uh, allows you to do to accomplish those amazing feats, good for you. However, nothing beats your presence <laughs> on the planet, and that's. Seriously, literally, your biggest contribution to this world is just being authentically who you are as an empathic light being. Because your presence alone brings blessing and brings healing and equanimity to this planet. And also, this is a stage. When you start to realize, oh, 
I'm on Earth, yes, I'm present on Earth, absolutely, but I actually, I am a permanent resident elsewhere, <laughs> and that elsewhere is the source dimension. And you are, you become a permanent resident of the source dimension, and you still have a manifestation of your presence here. On this dimension of phenomena, so that is the stage when you are both deeply in touch with humanness. On the other hand, you transcend the, you know, all the structures and trials and tribulations that comes along with. Humanness. So, these are the seven stages, <laughs> seven development stages of the empath archetype. Now, a few things I want you to know. First of all, I already talked about this at the beginning. This is not the entire story of your life. This is one aspect. Archetype is this archetypal aspect of your life as a empathic light being. Okay, and this does not—it does not matter how old you are, how young you are. I cannot tell you. Okay, by age fifteen, you should be at this stage. By age fifty, you should be at a different stage. It doesn't matter. Everybody's timeline is different, and your timeline is perfectly designed for you. And this is something that a lot of us, you know, struggle with because. We tend to, you know, do the interhuman comparison. We look at other people. Okay, what what have they been doing? All right, they've been doing this and this and this. It seems like a common pattern. Why have I not been doing that? It must be something's wrong with me. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with where you are. There is no hurry at all because every of these steps. Are necessary. I and I cannot tell you a timeline of how long you're going to spend in in each step, because essentially you're going to spend the time that is the right time, the sufficient time for you to move on to some other stage. So, please trust. Your own timing. I know this can be hard sometimes, and this is something I remind myself all the time too. Is, you know, you're always on the perfect timing, essentially, and everything is here to help your development. So, and also,、um, last thing I want to mention is there can be multiple stages happening all at once. You can be straddling across two or three different stages, and one day you feel this way, next day you feel like, oh my god, I, you know, relapsed or something. <laughs> That is totally normal. Okay, don't feel like, oh, I'm such a disappointment. Oh, I will never grow. That's not true. That is totally not true. Usually, especially when you feel like, okay, there's nothing going on. I'm not growing. Nothing's happening on the outside in your conscious awareness. Especially those times, huge things are happening in the background, so that you can, you know, so that the next stage of your development can 
unfold in the external world. So those are a few things that I just want to remind you of. Again, <laughs> I will be traveling for the next three weeks, so I don't think I will be able to make new episodes、um, for the next three to four weeks. So. I'm going to actually get back to packing <laughs> for my trip right now, but I'm so glad we get to talk about this—the seven development stages of the empath archetype—because I feel like it ties together a lot of the loose ends that we kind of talked about here and there throughout this soundcast. And、uh, I hope you find this useful. And again, thank you. For making this soundcast part of your weekly routine, and if you have not joined the Empathic Badass Tribe, go to natashache.com/forward/slash/school and join us. Okay, I will see you next time.